Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Hello, hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Are you uh, getting ready for your trip yet? Or is it still uh, far enough away that you're not stressing out about it? I have a couple trips coming up, so actually going hiking soon for a week. And then, yeah, and then the big one. But super excited. The most stressful part is figuring out who will take care of my cats. And mm. maybe a little bit of the international travel at this point, but otherwise pretty excited. Yeah, the um, the pets thing, uh, I don't miss not having pets. Um just purely because it's a stress you just don't have anymore. I mean, I miss having the pets from a from a social point of view, but um, yeah, I mean, we 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 have the flexibility now to do things because we don't have the pets that we never had before. So it's always a tough. You have the kids, but you can take those with you. <laughs> yes, well, yeah. Look, I mean, there's that stress of you know my, my mother-in-law's been with us for uh, two weeks now, I think three weeks. Um, which has been hugely helpful because we've been able to go out for dinner and go watch a movie and and all that. we've had we've had babysitters but you know it's different when you've got a babysitter who you're paying by the hour and you know, even though the kids like her not she's not always available and and all that kind of stuff so you you know you, you're balancing it um based on her availability as much as your own whereas having my mother-in-law here it's been great you're like uh, do you mind if you just like do the kids tonight you know, if, if, if it's okay, you know, sort of thing. And I can do the bath time and we can do dinner and then, you know, they got time with their grandmother and they can, you know, do that kind of stuff. So that's been good in that sense. And then, yes, they can come with too. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I know you've been up to some productivity hacking by the looks of it. Yeah. So so this has been the joys of, of young kids. Um, my daughter has been waking up screaming at about two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, for for some un, unknowing reason, um, and the first time that this happened, I, I decided I'd go back to bed after I got her calmed down and back to sleep. And then the, the problem with that is you end up in a in a deeper sleep, or your whole sleep rhythm's out of things. So when you wake up at seven to to take the kids to school and stuff, you're not in a, you're like you're like a zombie for like an hour. So so what I've decided to do instead is if she wakes me up at that time, I, I get up and I work. Um, which is interesting because I've got to be very quiet. So I would get downstairs, you know, set myself up in the kitchen and, and just be quiet and work. Um, so usually that involves, you know, uh, iPads and laptop um, and listening to some sort of music with my headphones on, uh, obviously. And that, that time, sort of 3 o'clock in the morning, sometimes 4 o'clock in the morning till 6, 7 o'clock, is hugely productive. Hugely productive. Now, the first time I did it, I um, went flat out. Like I just went like three a.m. till seven. Um, but then you are one. You 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 kind of in a um, 
in a different kind of mental state when you when you finish that because now you've you've basically pushed everything out in a sprint and you and you're exhausted, uh, and then you got to do the whole day still. Um, so the other thing that I started doing is I started breaking them up into Pomodoro um, sprints, so 25 minutes on, 20 you know five minutes off, 25 minutes on. Um, and instead of using my iPad as a as a capture device, I use that as a stopwatch. And I sent you a picture of this. Um, so my my iPad Pro is basically just a big stopwatch. And I use my obviously my laptop to work on, and then I use my little smaller one where I've got my notes or whatever. Because I usually I'm doing handwritten notes on that anyway. Now everything's synchronizing, so I can pick any device. But it just seems to just work out better that way. And and, and it's kind of nice to have this big clock next to you. Um, so while you're sprinting, and and I and I made the 25 minutes, 30 minutes, then 35 minutes, and I think 35 minutes is probably the the right number now. Um, you basically push that sprint, then you do like a 10 minute break, then you do another sprint, and then you do a 10 minute break, and then you maybe do a third one, depending on what time of the morning it is. And then I maybe sleep for half an hour, depending on what time it is, just to get like a meditation sleep, um, just so I'm not completely zonked for the day. And that's been working really well. Um, at least I don't feel like, because sometimes, you know, you get up that time of the morning, you think, well, what, do I, what am I gonna do? I might read my book, or I might watch some Netflix or whatever the, the thing is. And then you wake up, Fall, you fall asleep on the couch and wake up and you're like, well, that was a waste of time. You know, I fell asleep through the series I was watching and I feel like shit. And, you know, I didn't really achieve anything. But this way you've achieved something. Um, and you also get that quiet time because there's no one to distract you. There's no messages to read. or I mean, you know, because I'm, I'm currently uh, in, in limbo. Um, it's just really good time to do brain stuff. Um, now, it's not that I wish my kids to wake me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. But when they do, I'll try and make use of it. That sounds um, sounds very productive. It sounds very tiring to me. But um, so the the Pomodoros, that's something you've done for a while, right? Um, yeah, yes and no. So it's, it's a – I never knew it was called the Pomodoro method when I started doing it. Um, and I think it actually came up when I was studying my degree – that a, a lecturer said that no one can concentrate more than 45 minutes consecutively without some sort of stimulant. Um, and, and she basically, you know, it was one of those things, it, was, it wasn't part of the class, but it became a discussion point in the class. And she says, yeah, I know you should do like 35 to 45 minutes, then you should take like a 10 minute break, like go do some, some exercise, you know, leave the room, walk up some stairs, walk down some stairs, you know, all this sort of thing that she'd obviously formulated into her thing. Um, so I started doing it then. Uh, so we're talking about 20 years ago, um, which is quite funny when you think about it. So when I, when I know I've got the time, and it's very difficult today, I think, in t well, today's age, where, where you know, your meetings are all over the place and they're all calls and there's there's no real getting out and moving up, you know, getting mobile. Um, it's a good way to to get some headspace and you literally, and, and also it's a small enough number that you can commit yourself to it. You can say, okay, well, I'm just going to concentrate for 30 minutes. I'll put my phone over there and, you know, that's why I don't use the phone. It, it's because the phone's too easy to get the, the notifications to look at and especially WhatsApp or Facebook or whatever. Cause I've, I, I noticed I started looking at Facebook again, which I had to delete the app again. Um, so you have the sprint, you, you give yourself a break and that break is, as I say, like I do push-ups and then I do um, make another cup of coffee. Uh, and it's always and my, my coffee's decaf, so I don't have that that benefit. 
Um, and then you basically plan your next 35 minutes um, of what you're going to do, and then uh, you go after it. Now, if you already do like like I was working on some some uh, documents, I knew what my my morning was going to be about. So I basically just took the break, did the push-ups, made a cup of coffee, did a bit of stretching, and then went straight back into what I was working on. And the nice thing is, when you take the break, uh, and you, and you've got to be religious about taking the break. At the, at the timer, you don't do like, well, I'm going to just finish this one more thing. You literally stop, like, hands off the keyboard or drop the pen or whatever it is, and you go and do the other thing. Because while you're doing the break, your brain is still working on that thing anyway, even though you're doing, like I said, I do push-ups or stretching or whatever it is. And then when you come back to work on it, you've already formulated what it is you're going to do with that thing anyway. And then you hit that thing, you know, in a, in a, in a much more productive way because you've almost um, formulated a plan and already discounted the things that you didn't want to do. Um, so it makes you really productive. Now, the challenge with a, with a working day is often when you're trying to do that 20-minute sprint or 35-minute sprint, is someone phones you, someone pings you, whatever it is. Um, now, you can set do not disturb and, and all that kind of stuff, which, which you know, that takes discipline. But it, in some of the jobs I've worked in, if, if you put a do not disturb on, they still phone you. Um, and they phone you repeatedly, even though it's not an emergency. Uh, it's always treated like it's an emergency. Um, and I'm making an excuse now, but that's sometimes how it feels. Uh, whereas, you know, three o'clock in the morning, there's not many people awake at three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock, especially on a Saturday or a Sunday when this has been happening mostly. Um, most of my friends are in bed by that time, not out partying still like they used to be. Um, so, Yeah, it's, it's hard to find that uninterrupted time. You know, a lot of people have those like very early morning routines for that reason to carve out that time. But you're just taking a different approach where you're waking up in the middle of the night. Uh, it reminds me a bit, too, of that. I think it's biphasic sleeping where you kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Just opportunistically sleep. Yeah, look, I, I wouldn't do, I mean, yeah, so poly, polyphasic or polymorphic sleeping, that's that's by design. You do it on purpose. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do this on purpose. Um, although I do know some people that do go to bed at nine o'clock at night to get up at three o'clock. I, I can't, I mean, socially I can't do that. Um, but like if I'm putting the kids to sleep and I fall asleep on the floor between them, you know, my wife has strict instructions not to wake me up. So if I fall asleep and then I wake up at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, then I'll use that as an opportunity to go and work for that time or you know hopefully i don't i mean last that two nights ago i slept the whole night on the floor um but i think that's the other thing that happens is because you're 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 up sort of three until seven then you still do a full day now if you don't get a chance to have a, a nap later on um then by the time it comes to eight o'clock nine o'clock the next night you are exhausted uh and then you just then you you know it catches up with you um but you usually have been able to get away with um get a half hour, half an hour nap later on in the day, um, which kind of gives you, as long as you're getting your sort of total hours for a day of sleep, you're okay. You know, sometimes, sometimes more than half an hour, but never more than an hour in the afternoon. Uh, and then, but by that, by that stage, you, you have no choice. Your, your brain is telling you it's, it's time to sleep and you've got to sleep. Yeah. Does your aura ring like yell at you for doing this or do you notice a difference in that? So interestingly enough, because I've been doing so, so the nights that let me get the data up. I'll tell you exactly what happened. So the night that I that I went straight through, 
and I didn't sleep um, in the morning. My, my readiness score dropped drastically. And I say drastically, it was going down from like an 85 to like a 67 on that day. But once I started incorporating the, the meditation at the end, so like going, say, three until six, and then six until seven, I'd be lying on the couch meditating um, slash sleep, sleeping um, with the alarm going off at seven, uh, my score went back up to, to high 70s, so 76. Um, then I had one day where we'd gone to watch a movie the late, late the night before and got home at like 11 went to bed at midnight. Uh, my daughter woke me up at three. Uh, I worked until six, but then I, then, I, then everyone slept till eight o'clock and I slept till eight, from six till eight. And that was actually, I got a 79 for that day. Um, so it, it, it seems to be as long as you can get your cycle in your sort of 90 minute REM cycle, um, you can get away with it. Um, but as I said, I think it was two nights ago, I ended up sleeping on the floor the whole night because I just couldn't get couldn't get off the floor because um, I was that tired. But that that just a build up of uh, doing this thing with and, learn, and learning what the routine should be like. Now that I know what the routine's going to be like, I think I'll get away with it pretty well. Well, yeah, I think uh, I've definitely wanted to try the Pomodoro method. I love the story that the person who invented it was using a tomato timer, and that's where the name comes from. Um, but yeah, as you said, I think it's hard to do it in a modern work environment where like truly inter uninterrupted time or like meeting time allows for it. But I think um, one thing I struggle with is uh, let me call it like time blindness, like not really realizing how long you get kind of sucked into a particular task. Uh, mm. So it'd be nice. I think one side effect potentially is just realizing how long it takes me to do something would actually be very valuable. So I've started my toggle tracking again. Funny you mentioned that for that, that exact reason. Because I'm now, like this week with the kids being off school, um, running around doing kids stuff, but I know I've got stuff to do. I just want to make sure that I'm doing it. So I've, I've started tracking that time as well. Uh, and that's becoming part of my routine. So that's, it does help you. Uh, and, and that you call it time blindness, but I call it hyper-focus. When you get so involved in something, and that was what I did the first morning that I got woken up, that I actually decided to work, as I got so stuck into what I was doing, that when the kids came down at like seven, I was still like so zoned in on it, uh, and then I realised how tired I was. Um, and then the best thing to do is get some sunlight that that wakes you up. Um, and the other thing, if you're feeling tired, is you can look up in the sky, so at the bottom of your eyes can see the light, and that resets your brain. Um, this is all from uh, Andrew Huberman's podcast. Yeah, that's that's re a really good one if you're looking for one um, on health stuff. And uh, yeah, it gets you going with with the right amount of breaks too, because you need the breaks to reset. Mm, yeah, that's also a struggle, but uh, another reason why I think people gravitate towards the Pomodoro method because then it's it's baked into the process. There's also, what is that 2020 or the one where you're supposed to be looking away from your screen for 20 seconds, every 20 minutes, 20 feet away, something like that. I never do that. I wonder if anyone successfully remembers to do that. 
Yeah, well, that was something that, that I think uh, we've talked about before, but I think we were actually looking at doing that with um, one of the agents we had was to remind someone every 20 minutes to look away. Um, I mean, it's definitely something that the wearables do in the sense of get up and walk around. Now, that's, I think, skewed a bit when you're at a standing desk. Um, like, you know, I'm standing now, but I'm leaning my, my arms on the counter. So I don't think it picks up that I'm actually standing. So you've got to kind of jiggle your arms around every so often, mm-hmm. but that's still not leaving the screen. I mean, I, I find because I'm working from home still, I, I tend to do some work at my desk and then I go and work at the dining room table and then go run an errand. And that kind of keeps me going, um, at least to get outside. Yeah, no, definitely. We'll see how it goes when winter comes along. Yeah. Much harder to, to get outside then, especially now that you're back in the UK. Yeah, yeah, tell me about it. Uh, well, great. I don't know, was there was there anything else? You, I only have a couple minutes, but... Yeah, same. But but there was one last thing. So this, um, I was I sent you a text about technology making consumer life easier or harder. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I have this this huge argument about using. I don't know if and I don't know if, don't know if they have in the US, but the UK they have this all over the place. So you have the self checkout option. Yeah. Or self scanning, so you can walk around with your thing and scan your stuff yourself, and then in theory, by doing that and packing your shopping bags, you're speeding up your shop. Um, now, if I go to one store, that works like a charm. In fact, I use their mobile app instead of the handheld device. And that's great because it ties into the loyalty program. So I can see straight away um, all my offers that they've got on my loyalty program. I get the price straight away. Uh, the scanning's done on my phone, so I'm not touching some other device. Um, and then it just, just when it comes to pay, do I actually have to do, um, you know, sort of the normal thing where I go and scan the, the QR code to, to end the transaction. Now, that's great because that, that means you, your shop is cut down because you're literally packing your bag as you go and, and you're saving that time and, um, you know, you're getting the value or the extra incentives that you, you should be getting as part of being a loyal uh, shopper. Now, I go to another one where you can't use their app. Um, well, at least I don't know if you can, but you can use this. You can still do the self-scanning, but every single time um, – we do the scan and we go to the self-service checkout, they want to rescan some of our items. Now, I, I know why they want to do that because they're also trying to avoid theft. Um, and this last one, we did quite a big shop and they had to scan 45 items out of our, yeah, exactly. That That's the face I made too. Um, and she just happened to pick, now, this, and this happens a lot to, I've, I've spoken to friends about this, this happens to all of us all the time. And we always, you know, we're not there to steal anything. Um, but I picked, my wife gave me two packets of sausages and one packet was pork and one packet was chicken, but they're looking identical. Like if you look at the packet, the, at the sausages, they look identical. So I scanned the, the, the one bag twice, mm-hmm. same problem, right? But when she did her 45 items, she obviously picked up one of those and was the one that I didn't scan. So now because I didn't scan the the one in my list, she has to go and rescan the entire trolley. And it's actually basically a trolley and a half. So now that whole efficiency that you've gained from scanning the whole way through is lost because now you have to go rescan the entire trolley again. Never mind that you have to um, 
not necessarily argue about it, but you have to discuss it with her. And I said to her, but it's, it's so silly to me. Like, if you look at the trolley, uh, and we're talking a couple hundred bucks here, there was no change in price, right? So the algorithm should be saying within a certain, you know, a certain customer that comes back regularly because you've got the the data because I'm scanning my smart my, my my loyalty card. Every time I come here, I spend X amount at the shop. You should be giving me a level of of error, you know, if it's a quarter of a percent, a one percent, five percent, whatever it is, on my on my shop. That if it, that just happens, you just laugh it off because you'd rather me coming back every week to do my my shop than not. Now, if you're picking up every week that I'm that, that I've made an error, uh, and, and the error is not a, a, a financial error, you know, it says there's no difference to the price, but I've but I've barcode scanned the wrong thing. You know, the system should be laughing that off and saying, well, don't worry about it because, you know, we will accept a certain amount of errors so without having to re-scan everything. We'll just accept that there's one error. One one error is okay. It's like, you know, if you look at a baseball analogy, one strike is fine. You know, and when you get to three strikes, then we'll re-scan the whole shop. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, then we'll re-correct the whole, the whole um, um, algorithm or calculation for this customer because – like my wife has sworn she'll never use the self-scan again, you know, and I'm saying, but it, it should work. But if you're not going to give me any leeway, then I'm also not going to do it. In fact, I'll just go to the other shop where they do let me do it. And I might pay more for the food. Um, but because they never check me, because you know, I'm not stealing food, um, I, and they trust me, then I trust them, therefore I'm going to use it. Therefore the technology is working for me. Whereas the other place, Knowledge actually become it actually. I said to my wife when he walked out, I actually feel like a criminal. Like I did nothing wrong, except for scan the wrong thing. But but it cost me, you know, twenty five minutes of time and the sort of look and, and disdain because I scanned the wrong item. And the, and and the lady is not her fault, but she's like, well, you know, they're two different products. I said, yes, I know they're two different products, but like in the grand scheme of things, who cares? It's, it's, yeah, it's an experience thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing I wanted to touch because we, we do it because we get the AVOS, which feeds into our loyalty programs for our flights and hotels and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, now that sounds like a painful experience. Unfortunately, I have to drop. Maybe we can talk about self-checkouts again because they're so such a divisive topic. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. If I can just scan it all myself, then be faster that's totally the way i did so well i think there's going to be some intelligence in it it's not really smart scanning it's not smart shopping until there's some intelligence in it it's really just you know shadow work shadow shopping store comes in where it you know captures things as you grab it in your cart but i don't know what's happened to any of those but yeah i do need to run unfortunately so no problem all right we'll turn that up cheers bye Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.